You're listening to the podcast from Withington Christian Church. For more information, visit withingtonchristian.church. We've been looking at the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, uh, and uh, Matthew's Gospel, we've been working our way through it. There's a lot there. And we've got as far as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and uh, we've been occupied with that because, of course, it's so important, isn't it? This is that sermon that the Lord Jesus teaches to his disciples on that mount, Uh, And that forms the basis of what are the characteristics for those who are uh, in the kingdom of God. What are the things that shape them? What what do they look like? Uh, What are the the, the laws, as it were, by which we live our lives as Christians? And we were saying that the Sermon on the Mount, we believe, is relevant for today. Uh, And that's a challenge for us, isn't it? Because some of the demands, some of the things that are outlined in the Sermon on the Mount are very challenging. And we've been looking at those beatitudes, those beautiful attitudes, those attitudes that start as a result of the Holy Spirit beginning to work in us and change us and mould us and shape us. And it's those attitudes that come even before salvation, where we start to see our need of Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And God begins his work in us to show us we can't do it. To show us we're broken, to show us we're sinners, to show us we've fallen short of God's holy standard. The Spirit of God works in us to cause us to mourn over our sins and the sins of the world. And all of those beautiful attitudes start to become characteristic of us. And once we've trusted Christ, once the Holy Spirit's indwelling us, then we are those who are marked by mercy, compassion. We are those who are marked by meekness, gentleness, humility. We are those who are marked uh, uh, by having a pure heart, desiring that which is authentic and true and genuine and pure. Uh, We are marked uh, by those characteristics uh, that set us apart from the world in which we live. And if we're living with those beautiful attitudes, then the effect of that is that the world doesn't like us. And that's the truth of it, isn't it? You would think the world would like us, but they don't because they associate those things with God. They like the things we do, but the association with those things with God they don't like because, of course, the world is at enmity with God. It hates God. It's an enemy of God. And so anything to do with him is not like... So blessed are the persecuted uh, is one of those um, beatitudes which, of course, comes about as a result of us living the way that we were living. And then we moved on last week to start to look at the subject of salt and light. Salt and light. And we talked about how that as Christians we are to be uh, the salt of the earth and the light of the earth. And the Lord Jesus when he saved us, he's changed our hearts, he's given the Holy Spirit to live within us. And now he's left us here on earth to be salt and to be light in the world in which we live. And so as Christians, we are to have an impact. Uh, And uh, we were saying last week that salt has flavour. Food without salt, pretty bland, pretty boring. But when the salt's added, it makes all the difference. And you know, as people look at Christians, they should see the difference. They should see the flavour. And of course, we know, as we said last week, salt preserves it has a preservative. We have fridges and freezers these days, but back in the day, you just used to salt a piece of meat or a piece of fish, stopped it from corrupting. And the Christians on planet Earth today have a preserving effect. They withhold corruption 
in the positions that they're in, the situations of those Christians that are in Parliament, those Christians that are in the Senate, those are Christians that are in different places, in different governments, in different companies, in different environments. They have a preserving effect. That's why the Lord's left us here. Remember the Holy Spirit indwells us. We're being moulded and shaped and changed. We're becoming like the Lord Jesus and that has a preserving effect. Salt preserves. Uh, and then of course we were saying that salt creates thirst. And of course it should be the case. As people look at us and they look at our lives, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. I want what they've got. Creates a thirst. I want their peace, I want their joy, I want what they've got, creates a thirst. And how many folks there are who have said in their testimony, well, I saw that individual and he was different, she was different, and I wanted what they had. And that's what started them seeking Christ, reading the word, and then the Holy Spirit uses that to bring them to a place of salvation. And so salt creates flavour. We said that last week. And then this week, we're just going to uh, think a little bit very briefly about salt without flavour. Salt without flavour. Uh, and so we're also going to think about light as well. So we've got to keep an eye on the, the clock there because uh, time goes very, very quickly on these occasions. We touched on this last week. Salt without flavour uh, is good for nothing. And in the days of the Lord Jesus, salt, of course, had additives, had uh, uh, other things within it. It was the salt within a substance. And so once the salt had been left, lost from that substance, all that was left was rubbish. It was no good. It was fit for nothing. It was fit just to make paths. And it was trodden underfoot. And in the same way, Christians or professing Christianity... Note the word professing Christianity. When it loses its salt, then it's good for nothing. Indeed, what it does is it brings condemnation and it brings judgment and it brings uh, uh, a, a, a criticism which shouldn't be there. And yet, sadly, it is there when salt has lost its savour. What do we mean by that? When Christians... Or professing Christendom, we'll use that terminology, begins to deviate from God's word. What is it that directs Christians? What is it that keeps us true to our God? It's the word of God. And when Christians move away from the word of God and start to compromise the word of God to fit in with the ways of the world in which we live, well, it leads to disaster. Just this week, I was listening to an interview with a guy who uh, I believe genuinely was a Christian who loved the Lord, who loved the word, you know, who was living for the Lord and yet he was going to have to give up his job and he was going to have to give up his house and everything really he'd known to that point in time because he believed the Bible's view on marriage. That marriage is for one man and one woman for life. And the church in which he was involved, and I'm not telling you which one it is, so I'm not spelling any, spilling any means, but it's a, one of the big main denominations of the day, had decided that he could no longer be a minister in that church because he believed that. And of course, with his job went his house. And he was going to have to have a total life change. Salt without savour. 
I heard an interesting survey some years ago where they'd done a survey and they compared the results between two ages. They'd done the survey back at Wall in the, in the, the 60s, 50s and the 60s, uh, and at that time they'd asked who were the respected people in society. Uh, and uh, in the top five was uh, the, the, the local priest minister, vicar, was in the top five. Uh, and then they did this survey a number of years ago, uh, probably through four or five years ago, and they reported the results. And they then said, who are the most respected people in your society? And the, 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 the minister had dropped, the pastor had dropped from uh, being in the top five. I think he was down to about eight or nine. <laughs> he was now higher than, the, he was now lower than the hairdresser. <laughs> that says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> well, what's gone wrong? What's happened? Because the church has lost its savour. It's compromising with the world. In order to enable the world to fit into what we believe and hold to, they will find areas of compromise. And so you have the church uh, allowing uh, gay marriage. Uh, and, and we love people who are of that orientation. Please don't get us wrong. Because we're to love everyone. We're to love our neighbour as ourselves. That includes everyone, you know. But the Bible teaches us that God's plan for marriage and family is one man, one woman for life. Producing children, rearing children with a mum and a dad. And that's what works. And down through the years, I've been saying this at the mill recently, down through the years as we've talked with guys whose lives have been messed up, who've got into drink and drugs and alcohol and problems of all sorts of problems. How often they tell me, where's my problem started when my mum and dad split up? And some fella came in and he started giving me a hard time and abusing me and misusing me and the pain and the hurt of that in childhood, the trauma of that, often is at the root of addiction. So when society abandons what God says in his word about how we should conduct family life, what happens? Disaster comes. The church has lost its saviour. It should be giving direction. It should be teaching the truth. It should be teaching the maker's manual. The Bible is the maker's manual. He created us. He knows how we should operate. He knows how we should work. And so, of course, we should hold to that and teach that. And so we need to hold to the truth of God's word. That's so important. That's what we try to do here week by week to teach God's word so that we don't lose a saviour. Otherwise, if we lose a saviour, we compromise with the sin of the world and we're just like salt without savour. We're good for nothing. We're fit for nothing. Uh, and uh, that's a, a dangerous, dangerous position to be in. Surely the Church of Jesus Christ should give direction for these things but then also as we said last week neither is it the role of the church of Jesus Christ to point the finger and say you got it wrong you got it wrong you got it wrong because we know as the word of God teaches us as we're going to see in the sermon on the mount that judgment starts with ourselves and we judge ourselves and we judge ourselves within the church context that's biblical but our role is not to go around putting everyone else right but to stand and teach the truth and to not compromise on what the word of God says. And so that's that little bit about that. Uh, we don't want to be salt that's lost its savour. We, we want to stand for what God says in his word. What about this light of the world then? You are the light of the world. Uh, you are a light of the world. A city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Interesting, isn't it? 
So the Lord Jesus, he calls his disciples the light of the world. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And so it's also interesting to note that the Lord Jesus spoke of himself as the light of the world. John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will, what not, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then verses 35 to 36, Jesus said to them, the light is among you. For I, for a little while longer, walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. And so Jesus acknowledges himself as the light, but he also acknowledges us as the light. Well, how does that work? Well, I think God has built uh, an illustration of that into his creation. Do you know, so often God has built illustrations of his truth into the world in which he's made. How How do you say, how's that? Well, you think about the sun. The sun is the source of light for this world. That's the source. That's where the power is. That's where the energy is. That's where the explosions take place. And the the energy and the good things that the sun gives, gives out. That's where it happens. And what about the moon? You look up on a beautiful clear night, clear sky. It doesn't happen very often in Manchester, I know. (laughs) But it does happen. Um, Our our bedroom, our house, the window is is situated such that you get the the, the beams of 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 the moonlight coming in through the window. And it's a lovely scene. I love to see it. But the moon doesn't have any light of itself, of its own. There's no uh, explosions going on in the moon. There's no interactions, uh, nuclear interactions taking place on the moon, no. But the moon gives off light. It shines, it shines in the sky. In fact, it it lights the path at night, doesn't it? When it's a really bright light. So how does that work? Well, the moon reflects, reflects the light of the sun. The moon reflects the light of the sun. And so as Christians, we are called to reflect the light of Jesus in the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Of course. He lights our lives up by his light. He shows us up for what we are. He shows us that we're sinners. He shows us that we need his salvation. We need his redemption. We need his mercy. That's what he shows us. As his light shines in, you see all the problems all the imperfections and then when we come to that point where we realize we're sinners we've broken God's law we've missed the mark as the light shines in and it shows us for what we really are then we realize that Christ died for my sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and he's the basis upon which I can be forgiven through faith in him just faith just trusting not doing to gain salvation because the work is done just trusting in a finished work and then when I've trusted the the, the doing starts Uh, and and so he shines the light in and we are are showing up for what we are uh, and then when we trust him we become reflections of that light his light in the world The Holy Spirit working in us, changing us, moulding us, shaping us, making us more like the Lord Jesus. And so we become lights in the situation that we are in. And we have, there's a purpose for that light. Um, 
And that's important for us to, to see that, that there is an important for that light, import, uh, a purpose for that light. Verse 15 says, the light should not be hidden, but to display light for the benefit of others. There's the purpose. So, people, verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So, when this light is lit, this lamp is lit, you don't cover it over. You don't put a basket over it or or a blanket over it to hide it. No, instead, you put it on a stand. It's given a place of prominence so that it might have a desired effect. The desired effect is that all those who are in the house benefit from the light. When I trust Christ, the light is switched on. And we mustn't hide it. I don't know whether you remember that little song, Sunday School, those who went to Sunday School. uh, I think Cliff Richards sang this one as well, as I remember, as as a young person. Uh, I think remember it back from those days. This little light of mine. Remember that one? This, I won't sing it to you. We're not allowed. <laughs> Although I think you are allowed. One person's allowed to sing from the front, aren't they? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Shine. That's it, isn't it? We're to shine. We're to shine for the Lord Jesus in the world in which we live. We're not to hide the light. We're not to pretend we're not Christians. Neither are we to go around pointing the finger and putting everyone else on. I'm a Christian, look at me. And you're, uh, you're this and you're that and you're that. And you're a good for nothing bunch of... No, no. We just need to live the life. We need to shine the light. We need to live out the beautiful attitudes that we've he- heard about, the Beatitudes. And as the Holy Spirit gives us opportunity, we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gives us the opportunities. And that's the wonderful thing. If we're praying for those opportunities, we will get them. And when it's in the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit, it will bring glory to God. When we try to do it in our own energy, we often make a mess of it. We often upset people. We often cause people, you know, to judge us wrongly. But when we're living the life, creating the first, and speaking the word, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're a light shining. Don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. Salt preserves, light dispels darkness. You let your life dispel the the darkness in the place that you're in by confessing to Christ. Romans 10 and 9, it's an interesting verse, isn't it? It says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So interesting, salvation with the Lord is confession with the mouth. I remember the night I got saved. He was a, a, a man, he was a London City missioner who'd come to preach in our church in Harrogate where I grew up. Uh, and uh, God spoke to me, God challenged me, he challenged my heart, he showed me I was a sinner, he showed me I needed his forgiveness and his salvation. And the preacher said that night, he said, don't, if God is speaking to you, don't let anyone detract you. You put this matter right with Christ. Get right with the Lord. Trust him. And so I did that night. I went to have a chat with him afterwards. We prayed together. And um, 
that same night at, a, at an after youth meeting at the church that I was at, an after church youth meeting, uh, he made me stand up and tell everyone that I'd become a Christian. Don't hide your light. If Christ has saved you, don't hide the light. Live it out. Let people see. Some years ago, I met a guy who'd become a Christian. He was coming from a, a, a drug-ridden background and uh, his life had been a mess. And all of a sudden, he got saved. He'd been delivered from his uh, drug addiction. And he said to me, where's my girlfriend, who was a Christian? Keeps telling me off because she's, he said, the other day there, I, I, I was so overwhelmed with what the Lord had done for me. I couldn't help myself and I flung the window open and I just said, praise the Lord, I'm saved, I'm a Christian. <laughs> he was so full of the joy of the Lord. He couldn't help himself. Don't hide the light. Let it shine. But let it shine in a God-honoring way. Not in an offensive way. Not in a way that brings the name of Christ into distribute, but rather in a way whereby we live out our Christian life, taking the opportunities the Lord gives us. As Christians, we can bring light into dark situations. As Christians, we stand for the truth of God's word. We believe it from beginning to end. We hold to it and we bring light into whatever situation we find ourselves in. We are people of the light. We are reflecting the light of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world in which we live. People see a difference. They know a difference. When we were working on the streets of Manchester, uh, giving out help to the homeless, how many times people would say to us, why are you doing this? Why do you come out on a Sunday night with sandwiches and with drinks uh, and with sleeping bags and all of these things? Why do you do this? I say it to Robbie. I say it to Mark Gill. Why do you do this? Well, we're the light of the world. <laughs> we're told to love our neighbour as ourselves. We're told to live out these things. And we have a wonderful saviour who's changed our lives, who's changed everything. And we want to tell you about him. We want to tell you about him. And how many opportunities there were to preach the gospel about Jesus Christ in those situations and those circumstances. Light shining in darkness. i never forget an incident once where we were in a pretty dark part of Manchester. Um, a street that was an area of Manchester where there was a lot of things going on which were not good. Not good. And we were walking through there and there was a guy there begging and he had a guitar and he was playing his guitar. I don't know what he was playing at the time but he was playing his guitar and he had his pot there for money. People were throwing money in. And we got talking to him and we gave him a hot drink and we gave him a sandwich and then we said to him, do you know Amazing Grace? <laughs> he said, yeah, I do. And so there was a group of us, he played it, we sang it. In the middle of that environment, light in the darkness. The gospel of Jesus Christ being declared in song and in word and in act. Light in the darkness. That will have an impact. That will change. Let your light shine. Verse 16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory 
to your Father who is in heaven. Let me just read that again. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. How is it that we shine our lights? That they will see our good works. They will see that Christ is making a difference. They will see our sincerity. Here's a group of sincere people. They're not hypocrites. They're honest about their situation, their circumstance, and they're sincere in what they believe. They will see our love. Our love for one another. The Bible says this, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Let them see our love. Let them see that we love each other. Let them see that we love them. One of the joys of the mill is that the love that gets shown, that we don't turn anyone away that comes to us, but rather that we seek to help them and show the love of Christ uh, in different ways and in different circumstances. And so we should be people who are marked by love for all groups in society, whatever their persuasion, whatever their background, whatever their orientation. We love them because Christ would and us. We should be seen for our love. Our perseverance, our zeal for the things of the Lord. Our zeal for the word of God. Our zeal for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the world's best news. <laughs> it doesn't get better than that, does it? That Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. Good news. We ought to be zealous in declaring it as the Lord gives us opportunity and leads us and guides us. We should be living holy lives. Not double standards. Not doing one thing for one group and another thing for another group. Not putting a show on. Not pretending being genuine. Living holy lives. Obedient to the Lord. Obedient to the word of God. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's good works. That's our good works. As we read the Bible, the Lord shows us something in the Bible that, that we've been doing wrong. Uh, oh dear, didn't know that. <laughs> Put it right. Put it right. Seen that over the years, guys' lives being changed. Things put right. Things they used to do, don't do anymore because they found something better. They love the Lord. They show that love by obedience. And it's lovely to see that transforming effect in the lives of men and women, boys and girls, as they're obedient to the Lord. Good works, obedience. Good works, love for God. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. All of a sudden, we have a greater love in our lives. A love that's beyond any other love. The love that we have for God. Well, recently, I've been uh, looking and studying in the area of dealing with addiction from a Christian perspective because of course in the work that we do we come across people who are, have issues of addiction um, and I've been looking in this area and studying this area recently uh, and from a Christian perspective the, the person that I've been reading in the book uh, made the point that the way to deal with addiction is to give the person something better than they had before <laughs> in other words introduce them to Christ so that they have a relationship with Christ. So that he becomes the love of their lives. 
He's their joy. He's their everything. He's there for them at every moment of every stage of their life, whatever their situation, whatever their circumstance. It's all about Christ and a relationship with him. In other words, become addicted to Christ. (laughs) And what happens? All the other things fall away. They fall away. They fall away. The appeal goes. The attraction goes. I've found something better. And so we ought to love God with all of our being. Love our neighbour. Be noted for our good works. Be noticed for our good works. I have said this many times here before, that Christians should be noted for the good that they do in society, the good that they do in community. And those great Christians of old, how they got involved in helping the poor and the needy, how they set up schools and hospitals and homes for people who were their employees, the difference that they made. Those Christians of old who challenged slavery, who challenged so many policies. Elizabeth Fry, who impacted the uh, judicial system so amazingly. A lady who trusted God, who knew God. Christians who were noted for their good works, for the good things that they did in their society. And how we rejoiced recently that uh, I heard Boris Johnson was saying how uh, amazed he was that the churches uh, had had, had risen up to provide help to people who are needy in their community what a great commendation that is we should be those who are moted by our good deeds that's how we shine our light that's how people see that we're different and what is the effect of this the effect of this is that our good deeds bring glory to God because it says they shall see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. Now then, who is it that's seeing those good works? Well, it, I believe it is Christians that see those good works. And they give glory to God. And I also think that it has a testimony to people who aren't Christians. As they look on and they see the difference that Christians make in certain situations and certain circumstances. And causes them to want to know more. Drawn to the light. Attracted by uh, the saver, as it were, that comes from Christians dwelling in society. The chief end of man is to glorify God. We live out our lives to magnify him, to make him famous, to glorify his name. By our good works, by our works, in essence. And of course we're reminded, aren't we, in finishing, that faith without works is dead. James 2, 14 to 18 What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and one of you say to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, it does not have, that does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead but someone will say you have faith and I have works show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works and that's the key isn't it that if we are people of faith if we've trusted the Lord if we're born again of the Holy Spirit then that will be evidenced by the fact that we're salt and that we're light that we're shining, that people will see our good deeds and they will glorify God and it will be evident to those who look on that we are the people of the living God, that we are different, different and that will bring glory and honour to 
the Lord Jesus. Well, our time has gone. We're just going to close with a word of prayer uh, and then we will finish. Father, we give thanks for your word. We give thanks for the truth of it. We pray for your help, Lord, to here be as a church that holds true to your word and teaches it as we see it written. And we thank you for that. We pray for the working of your Holy Spirit in each one of our hearts and our lives to make us more like the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be salt and light in the society and the community where we live, to be salt and light in our homes and our workplaces, in our schools, uh, in whatever situation we find ourselves in as we go about our daily lives. Help us to be those who represent you in a way that honours your name. We pray for your help. And we acknowledge, Lord, that in our own strength we can't do that. But when the Holy Spirit indwells us and leads us and guides us and helps us and changes our hearts, then we become more like the Lord Jesus. We are able to fulfil this very thing. So we pray for your help in this. We now just remember Paul again and we pray, Lord, your healing hand on him. Be to him all he needs at this time, we ask. In Jesus' worthy and precious name, for his glory and honour. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast from Withington Christian Church. For more information, go to withingtonchristian.church.